0: Chronicles of the Awakened is an ongoing story-based podcast and is a work of fiction created by Jay Larocque. You can find our podcast on Himalaya, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Chapter 41: The Forgotten. In a flash of brilliant light, Vincent appears in the cargo hold of the massive aircraft in mid-flight. Various pieces of luggage and boxes are spread throughout the hold, creating a maze from front to back. I've seen these, Vincent says gleefully, from my window. They look so big in the sky, but up close. Wow. Jace surveys her surroundings, not just with her eyes, but with her life energy. A look of bewilderment is quickly replaced with concern as she removes her hand from her sword hilt and places it to her ear. Something's not right, Lola, Chase says. This is completely different than last time. Chase approaches one of the cargo crates. She brushes her hand across the logo in the shape of a spade with the words underneath Federation military this isn't Chase whispers to herself we are getting strange readings from your area Lola responds nothing dangerous yet but it's it's as if there are after-images what the hell are after-images Chase asks actually maybe that isn't the best term dear Jonathan interjects. When we look into the negative mirror, we can sometimes detect its living world counterpart in the same area. That is normal as the mirror is a dimension layered on top of the living world. What we are seeing here, it, it's as if there is something else layered on top of both. Vincent slowly explores the cargo hold taking notice of everything he sees. His fear brushed his side by wonder. Having never been on an airplane, even in his current situation, he finds a moment of joy over a new experience. All right, guys, bottom line it for me, Chase says. What exactly does this all mean? I'm sorry, Chase, Lola responds. It means we don't know. Chase closes her eyes and focuses on her senses. She thinks back on Mia's teachings and searches for a specific life energy signature. Whatever is happening, it must be distorting the life energy in this area, Chase says. I just can't get- Chase spins around as she senses a buildup of life energy. Vincent stands over a young man kneeling on the floor in prayer. Chase recognizes the clothing of the man, and the symbol of the Trinity around his neck. The light of God, the soul of man, the flesh of the beast. We live within the Trinity. It gives us strength, the man says. Are you all right? Vincent says, reaching out to the man. Vincent, no! No! Chase screams as she attempts to perform a light-speed movement to his position. Chase staggers as a flash of light pulls Chase from her maneuver, knocking her to the ground. The hell? Chase curses as she watches Vincent touch the man's shoulder. His body jumps as if shocked by lightning. His eyes glow a bright, brilliant white light. An aura of white energy surrounds both Vincent and the man. They are frozen in place. Chase slowly rises to her feet and approaches them. Guys, can you hear me? Chase says. We have a problem. Chase receives no response besides static. Great. Just great. Chase whispers to herself. Chase stands next to Vincent and places one hand on his shoulder and the other atop the man's head. She slowly closes, then opens her eyes. Chase's surroundings begin to disintegrate around her into a brilliant white light. As the light fades, the cargo area is replaced with the passenger cabin of an aircraft. Chase looks over the full cabin, packed with passengers in their seats. It is clear this section of the aircraft does not match the configuration of the plane they were just in. Vincent, as if awakened from a trance, looks around in a panic before his eyes settle onto Chase, calming him. I... I know him, Vincent says. His name is Neville. Chase closes her eyes and focuses on the life energy of Vincent and then Neville. Slowly, she begins to feed her life energy, into Vincent and Neville, creating a chain of life energy. Vincent can feel Chase's presence as well as Neville's. He hears a faint whisper, then slowly it becomes louder. Vincent, it's okay, Chase says. I'm speaking to you using our life energy connection. This will allow me to speak to you and only you. All you need to do to respond to me is think about what you wish to say, and I will be able to hear you. Chase can feel the instability of both Vincent and Neville's life energy. She concentrates and begins to slowly feed her life energy into both of them, attempting to stabilize them. Vincent begins to relax as he begins to realize what has occurred. I, I don't really know him. Do I? Vincent asks. No. Chase responds. When you first touched him, you were in direct contact with his life energy. Normally, we prepare ourselves before touching someone who has yet to be retrieved. We do this to prepare ourselves for the rush of information that comes from direct contact. Going in unprepared can be dangerous as we can become overwhelmed by both the information we are receiving as well as the unstable feelings of the person's soul. You can even become lost, trapped within their unstable nightmare, if you're not careful. I'm I'm sorry, Chase, Vincent says. I said I wouldn't let you down, and I already have. I just felt his sadness and I, I wanted to help him, as you helped me." Chase extends her feelings, allowing Vincent to share in them. Vincent can feel how Chase really feels, and he smiles as he embraces it. "'You haven't let me down, Vincent,' Chase says. I was the same way on my first retrieval. Sometimes I allow myself to get wrapped up in the war between angelics and demonics. But first and foremost, our mission is to help people. People like this man. Chase and Vincent look over towards the Neville of the past, sitting in the center row of the aircraft. The Neville with them, stares ahead at itself, motionless. I've met one of them before, Vincent begins. A lady knocked on my door once and I told her I couldn't open it. She told me she was part of the Trinity and she said she was part of a group of people who helped others find their true selves to bring the light to wherever darkness hides. I didn't understand any of what she said but her voice was so soft and kind. I didn't want her to leave. Chase turns her attention and focuses in on a young woman who looks nervously around the cabin while fidgeting with something inside her carry-on bag. You must always remain objective, Chase begins. Not everyone we retrieve will be someone who is good. I'm not saying this man did something wrong. It's just, I know of his organization, and trust me when I say... It isn't always what it seems. The woman focuses her sight on the cockpit doors. Chase and Vincent can feel the life energy of Neville building up and destabilizing. Chase adjusts her life energy to calm him. So, we just watch and see what happened to him? Vincent asks. Yes, Vincent. But you need to know that this isn't... The woman pulls a gun from her bag and stands up. Nobody move, the woman screams. I'm only here for one person. I'm not trying to hijack the plane or hurt anyone else. Many of the passengers begin screaming as the woman waves her weapon. Both Chase and Vincent can feel the fear, not only coming from Neville, but from everyone else around them. The woman points her gun towards a large man that was sitting next to her as he attempts to make a move towards her. Don't, the woman yells. Just don't. The woman makes her way to the middle aisle of the plane and slowly walks backwards towards the cockpit. Nobody else needs to die besides him, the woman says. I'm only after the redundant pilot. The captain and the co-pilot can safely land the plane without him. The woman grabs two flight attendants, who were standing near the front exits, and directs them to stand in the aisle next to the other passengers. The woman takes a deep breath and removes the intercom microphone from its stand, and presses the button. I know you can see what's going on, the woman says coldly. I'll make this as simple as possible. Come out, and after you're dead, I will surrender myself. You can close the cockpit door behind you, but if you don't come out here within five minutes, I will start killing people. The passengers begin to scream and cry in response to her words. I know you never cared about people, especially me the woman says. Let's see if you care about anyone else besides yourself. Or maybe the other two in the cockpit with you will sacrifice you in order to save everyone else. The woman stands silent for a moment and waits. After not receiving a response, she turns towards the cockpit in anger. A man jumps from his seat and rushes towards the woman. The woman spins around firing a shot with pinpoint accuracy, hitting the man in the leg. The man falls to the floor, grasping his leg in pain. The woman holds the microphone up and into the main cabin so those inside the cockpit can clearly hear the screams and cries of the passengers. Don't test me, the woman says. I don't have anything else to lose. But I planned for this day, for a very long time. Chase, Vincent, and Neville look on as the Neville from the past slowly rises from his seat. Sit back down, Lightbringer, the woman says. If there's anyone else that I'm willing to shoot, it's someone like you. I would gladly give my life if you would spare the others, Neville says. Oh, would you now, the woman retorts. Would you give your life for the piece of shit that's in that cockpit? I would do anything I can to save a life. Any life. As all life is precious. The woman angrily storms over and grabs Neville by his shirt. She drags him to the front of the plane, throwing him against the cockpit door. All life, the woman says, speaking to Neville as well as into the microphone. The Trinity is just as guilty as he is, she begins. You were supposed to be different. That is what you preached after the Federation abolished all religion and allowed your kind to take their place. What? Chase says out loud. What is it, Chase? Vincent asks. No, it's... It's nothing important, Chase responds. Vince can feel the confusion coming from Chase even as she tries to hide it. Something has deeply disturbed her, but Vince cannot pinpoint exactly what it is. May I know your name so I may address you properly, Neville asks. The woman stares at Neville for a moment, then answers. Donna, My name is Donna. Donna, the Trinity is not an organization of holy people. We are all sinners, some worse than others. We came together to restore the connection between mankind and God without everything else that has corrupted that bond. Corruption? Donna says. Funny you should say that. Because that's exactly what they and others like them deemed me. Corrupt. Donna grabs Neville and pulls him back towards the main cabin facing the passengers. The human garbage in that cockpit is named Caden. He met me at a hidden club for people like me. People whose sexual orientation doesn't conform with the Federation's mandate to help repopulate the earth. The global government didn't outlaw different sexual orientations exactly, but they came as close as they possibly could. PSAs against what they considered unproductive sexual relations. They reduced sexual intimacy and love to a factory for procreation. And as a result, people like me were labeled as unproductive and abnormal. They turned a blind eye to the hate crimes that came from their edicts. They wanted to force us underground, and if we dare peeked our head out into the light, we were arrested on trumped up charges, fined, thrown in jail, and worse. So many of us stayed underground, we strengthened our community, and if nothing else, felt safe among others like us. But pieces of shit like Caden, they wanted to experiment, play both sides. To people like him, we were a novelty, a taboo, an exciting risk to take in the dead of night and then run home to their normal lives in the light of day. Donna looks out across the sea of faces in the crowd of passengers. I can see it right now in many of their faces, Donna continues. It's not fear because of what I've done. It is disgust because of who I am. I was naive and vulnerable. It took every ounce of strength inside me to accept that I was a woman, regardless of the sex I was born with. No doctors would help people like me, To become who I truly was. Even among people like me. I always had to be completely up front with my journey. My struggle. Donna looks into Neville's eyes. Do you know what that does to you? Donna says. Every person you meet that you may come to care for. To have to tell them something so personal. So hard to speak of. When you're just getting to know them? Just so they think that you're not trying to mislead them? I thought he was different. He said he accepted me for who I was. I was a fool. He had exactly what he wanted. Someone he could use in the shadows. Someone who was afraid of the daylight. But he never thought that being with me would give me confidence. I took what I thought was his love for me, and worked so that others could feel the same kind of love that I felt, but it had to be in the light, where everyone could see. I knew something was wrong when he started becoming distant. The more attention I drew to the cause, the more he retreated. But I was committed. I had started a movement and wanted to show the world that we were all stronger. Together, I was going to appear on national television, tell the world my story, our story. He couldn't allow that. He could have just walked away, but he never wanted me to share with anyone else what we had together. He thought I would be alone that night. He would have been right. But I was preparing with a friend of mine who was also struggling with coming out into the light. Caden was a coward. He broke in and before I could even move he had shot and killed my friend. It must have shocked him. He thought he quickly killed me and that it was all over. I rushed at him in a rage. All I saw was crimson And then darkness. Four months I was in a coma. It was years before I was well enough to plan my revenge. The group that saved me made sure that Caden thought I was dead. They wanted me to heal. But there was no healing until he was dead. I didn't want to do this here. But he was placed in special housing, in the secure sector, when he began flying private government officials. I had to work with people I never thought I would in order to get here. I don't want anyone else to die, but I promise if he does not surrender himself right now, then we all die. Chase and Vincent can feel Neville's life energy destabilizing again. Chase once again adjusts her life energy to calm him. I'm sorry, Neville begins. But there must be, save your sorry, Donna says. There is no other outcome here. You will not talk me down or convince me otherwise. Time's up, Donna says, turning back towards the cockpit. Come out now, Caden. Donna pushes Neville against the wall, her gun pointed at his chest. She stares at the cockpit doors, waiting for any response. Fine, Donna says. Then we all pay for your sins. Donna looks at Neville. Her hand shakes as she pushes the gun deeper into Neville's chest. Wait, Caden says from the other side of the door. Promise me you won't harm anyone else and I'll come out. Donna pushes Neville down onto the floor and points her gun towards the cockpit door. I won't promise you anything, Donna says, but I will promise this man. Nobody else will die here today, except you. Alright, I'm coming out, Caden says as the sound of the cockpit door unlatching catches Donna's attention. Donna holds her gun steady towards the cockpit door, ready to fire at a moment's notice. A small hatch in the center of the cockpit door opens. A shot rings out, Donna hunches over grabbing her stomach. Slowly she moves her hand away from her stomach, seeing it is covered in blood. She looks at the hatch at the cockpit door and can see the smoke still rising from the barrel of the gun. Neville rises to his feet and catches Donna as she falls limp into his arms. Neville drops to one knee and slowly lowers Donna to the ground. The cockpit door opens. Caden steps out into the aisle and points the gun at Donna. Stupid bitch, Caden says. I guess your little terrorist friends didn't tell you. We all carry guns now. I should have killed you as soon as you started talking, but I didn't have a clear shot. No matter. Nobody's going to remember an abomination like you. Donna pushes Neville to the side and fires her gun. The bullet rips through Caden's chest. Caden gasps as he falls backwards and slams against the cockpit door, closing it. He slowly slides down the cockpit door as he raises his gun hand, using the last of his energy to fire off a shot at Donna. Neville covers Donna with his body taking the bullet for her. Donna looks up at Neville, who lays on top of her, motionless. Why? Donna asks. I would have killed us all. Perhaps not everyone values all life, Neville says. But I do. Everything around Chase, Vincent, and Neville begins to fade into darkness. After a moment, the darkness fades, returning them to the cargo hold they began in. Vincent removes his hand from Neville and staggers backwards. Chase quickly grabs Vincent, helping him to remain standing. A retrieval can be taxing for someone who is new, Chase says. You should be fine in a moment. And Neville? Vincent asks. Chase looks down at Neville, who is kneeling in prayer. He'll be okay, Chase says. Chase! Lola's voice comes in through her communicator, but is garbled and broken. Cannot. Lock. Distortion. Mirror. Chase spins around as she senses a massive buildup of life energy behind her. Chase watches as a distortion in space forms across from her. It is unlike anything she has ever seen before. A black, tar-like matter mixed with black-colored energy pours out from the tear in space. The energy in the matter begin to warp everything it touches, changing part of its surroundings. A young woman steps from the tear. Her eyes lock onto Chase's. Vincent can feel Chase's life energy begin to stabilize something he's never felt coming from Chase before. Chase, we should run. We've already saved the soul already. We should just go, right? Chase stares ahead at the woman. No, Chase says. Neville wasn't the soul. We were sent here to save. She is. Next time. Chapter 42.